Welcome, Guardians fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Standing Guard, a show dedicated to the Orlando Guardians. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here is your host, Michael Latham. Hello, Guardians fans. This is episode three. Oh, and two, what are you going to do? Two weeks in, the Guardians and its fans are facing tough realities. The team is averaging 12 points per game, while giving up an average of 31.5 points per game. This recipe has delivered an 0-2 record. Furthermore, there's some team drama. I won't get into that just yet. I will say, or should I question, why are Coach Buck and Coach Ford not utilizing the run game more? Martin is leading the XFL in average yards per carry. By utilizing the run game, it could help take pressure off whomever is playing quarterback while moving the chains and keeping drives alive. I am not saying this shift in the game planning will fix the Guardians' issues, but it will help to improve their gameplay while providing them a chance to maintain possession and perhaps more red zone opportunities. Heck, I would just happily take a field goal or two each game to put more points on the scoreboard. Perhaps the biggest benefit in making this fundamental shift is time possession. As long as the offense remains on the field longer, the defense will play less, therefore concede less points. At this point, we should ask ourselves and the Guardians, what do you have to lose? Before we get into this week's interview, don't forget the Guardians' take on Coach Stoops' one-in-one Arlington Renegades at Choctaw Stadium on Sunday. Kickoff is scheduled for 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and will broadcast on FX and ESPN+. This week, we are fortunate to have the founder of XFL Board and the host of XFL Extra podcast, Mark Nelson, to discuss the situation between the Orlando Guardians and Quentin Dormady. Welcome, Mark. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss the XFL and the situation between the Orlando Guardians and Quentin Dormady. Well, it's uh, nice. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for welcoming me. It's a pleasure. I have actually always made it my purpose to connect the community. And you have always been on my list. I had just never gotten around to it. And then this event and your piece kind of got me intrigued. And I'm like, you know what? What am, what am I waiting for? Let's reach out. Let's do it. So I'm glad that we've had this opportunity and we're able to make this happen on such a short notice. Great, yeah. You know, the Quentin Dormandy situation, it, it kind of spiraled out of control, uh, as far as I can tell. I mean, it started out as a tweet that Dormandy had been released, and in that tweet, it implied that he had been released for sharing plays or team information with another team or another player. And interestingly enough, that tweet was eventually deleted because I think whoever, the person who sent it, realized that there was more to this story and that that this was not going to work well if they kept that tweet live. But the tweet had legs, and now it's been reproduced, uh, that information has been reproduced rather incorrectly in a lot of media, including some of the uh, larger media outlets have repeated that. And in fact, they've even said things like that Dormandy sold his playbook, which is a complete fabrication. And the fact is his playbook's on an, on an iPad. And I guess he sold his iPad 
apparently that's what they're saying. So my initial article on XFL board was to say that the XFL needs to get to the bottom of this because there's this is not going well for the player. Quentin Dormandy, a young player, trying to make his way in pro football, like we've seen. And, I mean, like you've, Michael, you've got a podcast named after Player 54, which was The Rock's invention of how to describe these players, which is fantastic in my in my view. So here we have a Player 54, and he's now, it's, he's now, it's not the League of Opportunity for him anymore, it's the League of Shame. Is he at fault? Well, the XFL is getting to the bottom of this, and I do believe they will. But what I've been told is that the only information that Dormandy spoke of was that he was not going to play in week two. Now, this this fact was actually revealed during the Orlando Guardians week one broadcast that they, the coach said he was going to go with Dormandy in week one as a as to try out as a backup and then turn to DeAndre Francis, sorry, DeAndre Francois in week two, which is what they did. So this was not a secret. And this is the fact that Dormady revealed to another player, which I won't name. But I have actually had a message and, and cooperated with that player, and this is exactly what Dormady told him. Dormady didn't reveal any plays. He didn't give him a playbook or any of those other outrageous things that are being said about Dormady. So in my view... It needs to be settled, and I believe the XFL is going to do this. The XFL is going to resolve it. And the XFL has told, has said their statement, they're they're investigating it, so all well and good. Things, you know, things got out of hand. That's what happened with this situation. And there's something to be said about uh, the situation where all these players are in the hub. And there's a lot of them together, and there's a lot of talk and a lot of rumors and a lot of things go around. That is part of this XFL, what's happening. For me, there are several of issues with the situation as it has been presented, right? You know a little bit more. So obviously, I'm just looking at the presentation up to the point before today's interview. And players getting cut, it's common practice. So a player essentially just getting cut is not anything outside of the norm. So that's not part of the problem here. Well, my issues actually are, is going back to this hub. So my first issue is why are players rooming with someone that's not a member of their team? It seems like we could have had a little bit of foresight on this and made sure that if this situation that has been presented is a reality, which by the sounds of it, it is not, but we could have already eliminated that possibility from having people of opposite teams behind closed doors and essentially befriending one another and getting comfortable and whatnot. My second issue is how does a player getting cut equate to a player being completely removed by the league's website? I mean, essentially statistics, like any involvement. Like how did all of a sudden a team cut turn into an entire lead wide like you never were here we won't even acknowledge your existence that seemed very odd to me my third one is that why wasn't the league involved with the situation of his cut and removal from the website 
and to ensure that there was a proper protocol followed. It seems like the league must have been a little bit more involved than they're alluding to to this stage now that they're doing a formal investigation because he got removed from the league website. That's not a team operation. So these are my major concerns and the issues that I have with the information that has come out. I'm not saying you had the answers, but it's just like, do they seem fair or am I being unfair? No, I think you're you're absolutely right. Now the the uh, data being re- removed from the website, nobody has taken uh, responsibility for doing that. And what has been uh, thought, what has been talked about, was that somebody wanted needed to remove Dormady from the Guardians roster, and they deleted him, and which meant they deleted everything about him. They deleted him out of the system, which is kind of a mistake because. If you have a stat system and a player, let's say a player goes to the NFL and you delete them from a roster, you kind of want their stats, their XFL stats to remain because that's a record of what they did when they were in the league. So the idea of removing Dormady's, all of his data seems a little bit over the top. It seems punishing, like it seems like a punishment. And whether it was intended at that or whether it was a mistake, we don't know. And I don't think you'll ever get an answer for that one. But somebody somebody did it wrong. So they reinstated it. So they, I think the XFL sort of admitted it was wrong when they reinstated all the data. Who actually released Quentin Dormady? Well, I've been told through my source that he was never told he was released. And... There's a lot of weird things happened around this time that I can't corroborate, but I mean, things like his jersey number was given to another player. Like, <laughs> so you're gone. Someone else wanted number 12. Apparently, it was given away. Uh, I haven't been able to corroborate that, but this is what I've been told. So there was a lot of underhanded and weird things happening. I do not believe the league had control of any of this. I believe that the league, this will be part of the league's investigation on how this went. So just let me know where I'm wrong. I'm going to try to paraphrase from what I have previously read in your article, right? And this is also probably a little bit of what my mind's thinking. So just this, don't let me just sell this as a fact. You're here to correct me if I'm wrong. So please do. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned in your article, you know, multiple different things, which I thought was, right. You know, this is, this is great. Somebody's actually, we've had so much pro XFL and I know we all cover the XFL. You have a long history of it dating back to the first iteration. So mm-hmm. it's not, you have a lot of skin in the game, right? As much as anybody that is not on the payroll for the XFL, so to speak. You know, I know there's a lot of other people that are very invested with websites or podcasts, stuff, but you are invested with XFL board, your uh, XFL extra podcast, and even a book, which we'll get to here in a little bit. You are invested you, time, everything, resources, and you're still here you know, in 2023 doing it. So kudos. So don't let me ruin anything here for you. But you were mentioning the handling of this doesn't really follow what the XFL ownership have proclaimed since day one. Mm -hmm. This league is committed to its players. I agree with your assessment on this or that Dormady was proclaimed to be guilty as charged without the league's supposed involvement at this point, but now that they are, right? But the league must have been involved at some point because they had removed him from um, the website completely. Somebody did. Somebody did. 
Right. So regardless of the what the facts are, unfortunately, the damage to Dormandy and his image have been done. And it will be hard for that stigma that now is attached to him to go away. Therefore, this accusation is rush punishment. And it may, you know, this is a, a big leap. But this could be the end of his playing career if the stigma really sticks with him. And he's not, it's not found to be otherwise. So despite the outcome of this investigation, somehow the league has managed in back-to-back weeks for one black eye and they give themselves the black eye on the other eye. You know, one with Cashman Field and then now here they are with the Quentin Dormady situation. How can the league save face from this moment? You know, after back-to-back weeks, this particular situation, in your opinion, how can they save face? Well, they have to come clean, totally. And uh, they won't, but they need to at least uh, reinstate Dormady and say the accusations were not correct. They just need to say that. And uh, that's the best they can do. But these, well, these things follow him around. Now, go back to the USFL with Devion Smith, the running back, and his release, um, which was really talked about and the whole idea that he didn't want to eat the chicken salad, that he wanted to have the pizza. And then he got released. Well, I mean, I felt bad for Devion Smith. I mean, whatever happened, we ended up seeing one side of it, and it was not it was not actually that great for him. And of course, he was released from the league. Mind you, he's back in the X he's with the XFL now, and it's he's back on the field and doing what he needs to do and, and he has the opportunity to run that ball. So there are there are possibilities for Dormandy to do the same, if but he needs to be given the opportunity. Now you look at this week. This is XFL week three, and Orlando is struggling. This is the kind of week when they might go to a backup quarterback. This is when things is the coach might want to change it. But Dormandy is on the reserve list this week because he's under he's still under this investigation, so he won't play. This could be his opportunity week, but he won't play. So to Maybe that's part of the damage that's being caused, is that he, his opportunities are now limited at this point in time. I'm glad that you mentioned the week three opportunity because in my last episode with Mark Hallback, I was talking about how I thought Dormady, before all this came out, Dormady needed to be the starter this week. Yeah. Only quarterback in the Guardians who essentially never had the run support. Because when we watched game one, Paxton Lynch had the initial run support of the team before they just completely stopped running the ball. And then when Dormady came in, obviously came in the second half, so he didn't have that run support. But then we got to see in game two where they ran the ball even more. And we see how Martin is leading the league in yards per carry. So Mm -hmm. clearly the run is working for Orlando. They're just not committed enough to it. So I had said that even you look at Dormady's numbers in game one, they were pass heavy. So everyone knew the pass was coming. They weren't running the ball. So yes, Dormady had two picks, but essentially they knew that that's what they were going to do hundred percent. But if he had some run support, he actually had some success, you know, getting a touchdown as well. I'm like, well, he would be in my mind, the ideal guy to just, let's see what he's got. Well, then obviously this all came out. So I agree with you that this was his opportunity game. I think it would have been his opportunity game. But now being on the reserve list, and now that this situation has already happened, even if the league clears him of any wrongdoing, 
has the guardians essentially ruined this partnership in any way that this is, it's probably irreversible. The trust is gone. It's out the mm. window. Even if he comes back and he gets it reinstated, he's essentially just going to be QB three. And it just, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't help him anyway. So, I mean, and he was on the perfect team to have an opportunity to play because some teams are already starting to, and oh, they're not going to make a change. Some of the teams, you mm. know, like Arlington have Kyle Slaughter sitting on the bench and we all presume that he was going to be the starter anyway. So he's getting the start this weekend. Mm-hmm. So you start looking at what teams really have opportunity for them. Well, who's also going to take the trade? Because, well, there's got to be, you know, there's all that, that adage of where there's smoke, there's fire. There must have been something, right? So even if they clear him of it, there's still going to be a stigma. I just, I'm unfortunately don't believe he's going to get a fair shot in the XFL here in 2023. I mean, it's unfortunate because I really thought this was his weekend as well. Yeah, you know, you could, you could be right. So the idea... Uh, in fact, it was Greg Parks on the XFL board who, uh, in the discussion forum, that pointed out that he thought Dormandy's next move would be to be traded to another team. Like, there's no, he basically saying there's no way Dormandy's going to play for the Guardians after this. So, and then, of course, your point is who's going to take him? Who needs him? Well, that's that's another story, isn't it? I mean, there is a lot of competition between quarterbacks in this league this this year. It's quite remarkable, actually. And it's, you know what, it's fun to talk about in places like this, isn't it? Right. On podcasts and, and things like that. But it's hard for these players because they're battling for jobs and the quarterbacks are battling for jobs. I mean, Dormandy, well, I mean, I guess you could see him show up in the USFL. I mean, that might be the spot for him. Who knows? I don't think the XFL can cleanly just drop him, even if they find on you know that there wasn't wrongdoing mm. here. So that's going to have to take a request by Quentin Dormady himself, and it may be in his best interest. You're right, and that's it's sad because I did think you this was his weekend, and I was one of the guys that were clamoring for him to be QB one this week. So that's unfortunate because you know just it's so interesting that. For whatever reason, things just don't work out. I know that people say that any publicity is good publicity. Drama sometimes helps with that. That you know, that's when you're a real league. But I can't imagine in you know after week two or week three that this is good stuff this soon. It just it doesn't seem like a mm-hmm. for the league, especially after the Cashman situation, and uh, you know, it's especially the third iteration of a league that needs to get it right. And I think that's the most important thing here is that we are all fans of not just the three letters, but of football all year round. And we've been clamoring for what we wanted and we have this and it kind of feels like we're on third times a charm. It's either going to work or it's not. And there won't be a fourth try if they Mm -hmm. don't get this Mm -hmm. right. And to have these kind of black eyes, so to speak, week two, and then heck in the off week between week two and week three, that quick, just it just doesn't seem like it sits well. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom here. I'm trying to be a realist. Do you think that these black eyes are really going to hinder the league? Or do you think this is uh, part of growing pains? Kind of like, hey, obviously Danny and Dwayne have never owned a professional sports team, let alone a league. Maybe this is just kind of what they needed to kind of, for them to up their game and get it right. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'd like to think that the, this XFL is going to go and uh, part of my dream of, of is seeing an XFL that'll actually last more than one season. It's something I dream about. So, you know, let's do it. 
let's do it. And let's, let's, you know, let's hopefully the ownerships and ownership group and Danny and, and Dwayne Johnson and Redbird Capital and Gary Cornival, they hopefully they sort all this out and get things on track and, and go. I mean, maybe in some ways the problems that we're talking about are minor that could be overcome. And you think about the problems that the first XFL had with negative publicity, negative media, this XFL doesn't quite have that. However, I, I always have to think back to XFL 2020 that did not have negative media and that somehow they kicked off and everything was wonderful. They had the viewership, they had the fans in the stands relatively. So, um, so this one seems a little bit off track. Is it so off track that it's not going to succeed? Well, I don't believe that. I believe that it's they're just doing it their way. In the book that I just published called XFL 2020 Rise and Fall, I cover a lot of this. And what that what the story of the XFL in 2020 was a league that was actually brought up without problems somehow. And compared to the XFL 2001, which was problem-filled, in 2020, Vince McMahon, the owner, he knew the formula and he applied it and he actually created this league and he hired, you know, he hired football professionals. He hired the best to staff that league and it showed when the league kicked off, it showed. And, of course, coronavirus had to come along and kick the league down, which is the unfortunate thing. Otherwise, we'd be watching that league this year in its uh, fifth season, in my fourth season, I should say, which would have been wonderful. It would have been a totally different story. But it is what it is, and here we are. And I really think that it can be done. Now, when I talk about the League of Opportunity, that's so important for this league, and they really have to stand behind it. And I do believe they will. I do believe they are and they will. But, I mean, there's obviously a few speed bumps along the way here. Well, I wonder if some of that speed bump is first-time head coaches. Sure. Yeah, right? I mean, opportunity doesn't just be for players. Obviously, coaching staff, it could be for executives. No, obviously, we you know, even going to look at the first woman to own a league and let alone be the chairwoman of a you know major or we say major, but for Springs Football League, it's pretty important stuff. So they are ahead of their time in innovation and in some things. And as far as even what they're doing with minority coaches, they are giving them the opportunities. So it doesn't even matter mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. stigma of not having offensive coordinator or even head coaching experience, they did not let that hinder them. So they are a league of an opportunity there, but or some of these issues that we're probably seeing now with staffing. We saw Coach Buckley's one interview there on the sideline. Not saying it was overly bad, kind of throws his players under the bus without completely throwing them under the bus. But the reality is, like, it just, we yeah. should have seen that with four rookie head coaches, we were bound to get one that wasn't just going to work, you know, yeah. right you know, from with, day one. Yeah. With Buckley's statement about the, he wanted to, a new he wanted all new players um well he's new so he probably didn't realize that he should have shouldn't have said that and so, so okay so he's new and he didn't mean it like he had, didn't fire all the, his entire team so he was just and of course it was an emotional response to what, what had been going on so i give him all that credit but i have to tell you that i 
had a chance to speak to somebody who was fairly high up in the XFL 2020, and they were actually mad at that, at Buckley doing that. They, they basically said, and they're not involved in the league now, by the way, but they said if that happened in 2020, we would have fired that coach. Wow. Well, that's how important type statements like that were to the people that ran the league in 2020. So, of course, we don't know what the leadership of 2023 XFL has said to Buckley about that. I'm sure there's been some words. I'm sure he's heard some words. So. Well, especially now with this situation, right? However, right. it's linked together, right? It's just too close. You're saying it on Sunday, and then here midweek, we get this bombshell. Whether it's 100% true or not, doesn't matter. I mean, the reality is it's out there, but there is some truth to it because, you know, he was obviously removed from the league website. So we know just enough, but it's just when it's that linked within just a few days apart, yeah, I would assume something has been said, but again, I don't know. I, but well, yeah, you can assume that. I mean, I've I've heard lots of different things, but I'm I'm not really at liberty to say. Of course, um, but I I think if the XFL does its job, they'll there'll probably be some changes to the Guardians. Well, in something you know, when we look back to 2020 with Winston Moss's LA Wildcats. Yeah. He did make a shift pretty early in the game by what was his defensive coordinator, right? He fired Pepper Johnson. Yeah, that's in my book, by the way. <laughs> he fired Pepper Johnson, and he just kind of he took over Pepper Johnson's role, the defensive coordinator. And Pepper Johnson's made a statement, and he said, "I just stood back." He said I he just wanted to take over my job, so I just stood back. And of course, that Winston Moss didn't like that because he thought he didn't believe Pepper Johnson was doing his job correctly or strongly enough so well this we could potentially see changes and it may not just be with coach buck but there could be some some shifts you know you know down the, the ladder so to speak so mm-hmm. you know, a rung or two might get removed or replaced and we'll just have to see how that plays out well you, you know the coaches get fired all the time <laughs> this is it's sports it just if you don't perform then something there's a shakeup, right that's not right. unusual so in the fact that uh, let's say it was the uh, we're talking about the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. Well, there's an ownership group right there that would fire people, right? Fire a coach, right? Well, in the XFL, there's one ownership group for all teams, so we know where it will come from. If it comes, we know where it'll come from. I mean, stand by. Who knows what'll happen? It'll be in maybe in your next podcast. You'll have something fresh to talk about. Well, definitely. This is a popcorn moment, people. Grab your bucket of popcorn, sit by, because something <laughs> is coming. You know, I'm not trying to be a comedian, but this is that gif or those memes that are out there that people grab the popcorn, because this is exactly the moment that that should be happening. Yeah. So grab your popcorn. Well, some, like, come on, something has to change for the Orlando Guardians. Well, we'll see what happens tomorrow's game, but Vegas has them has uh, them as eight-point uh, losers in uh, tomorrow's game, so if Vegas is right, I mean... Eight points. Maybe people should put their money on the Guardians tomorrow. I wouldn't. It's <laughs> uh, a, a little tough at this point to see something <laughs> that you would want to put money on. But yeah, it, it's a little rough. But yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, rough. So they're they're going to end up having to do something uh, in the guard unless the Guardians turn it around. Unless they turn it around, of course. It is early enough in the season. Only two games out of a ten-game regular season. So it they're not out of it. It just doesn't look likely that they'll get back into it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is there have been slow teams to start elsewhere before. 
whether it's the National Football League or whatever, and somehow turn things back into where they've been, you know, the, the Miami Dolphins there had lost, what, seven in a row. And then they were just one game out of playoffs back in um, the 2021 season. But, I mean, right. like, there's some teams that, you know, can go on that and then they can get on a roll. So, like, we'll have to see. It's not unheard of in sports. But if they can get themselves back into it, then all right. But we have to see something here shortly because it is a shortened season. You know, at some point, as I, was, I think I was talking about with my uh, contributor, he's like, well, well, what point is it that it's too late? He goes, well, I think after three weeks, there's no more time. It's time to get going. So, like, we're at week three. This might be their last give me to lose but at some point they're going to have to start stringing something you got to at least get to five and five to have a, a chance right i mean wouldn't that be like mathematically the only thing that gives you a chance five and five so at some it point seems, it seems pretty tight now isn't orlando guardians in the south division right yes well they're in with all the texas teams so good luck with all that you know so they need at least five and five you're right so they, they five is the only thing mathematically need... <laughs> yeah yeah so good luck yeah uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but let's, uh, you know, usually early on when I do these interviews, I kind of get into your backstory a little bit and we're kind of a little behind on that. We jumped right into this. So why don't you go ahead and take a moment? I, I mentioned how you have as much involvement and in skin in the game as some of these other people. Why don't you take a moment and go ahead and share with people how invested in all the works that you have done tied to the XFL's brand since day one? Well, I first heard of the XFL when Vince McMahon stood up and said, hey, I'm going to build a football league. And I'm a football fan, and I'm also a website developer. And I said, you know what? I went online looking for XFL, you know, what's happening. And I said, you know what we need? We need a message board, and I can build one. Of course, back then, this is before Facebook. This is before Twitter and Reddit, anything. Message boards was it. So I built this board called XFLboard.com. and it became a real central spot for people to discuss the league and because it was the place, it was the only place. So it was very successful and had a lot of followers and a lot of, a lot of discussion in there, a lot of non-league discussion. When the season started, I had a few fans in different markets that wanted to write for the site. So I let them and they did, submitted articles, we posted them. And we ended up getting them media credentials in some markets. Uh, Birmingham was very amenable. So was Las Vegas at the time. And New York. So in New York, uh, there was a young lad by the name of Mike Mitchell who wanted to go and write about the New York, New Jersey hitman because they had that double name at the time. So we got Mike Mitchell into the game. And then all, all of a sudden, he's in, well, he's, He's a football fan, that guy. He knows so much about football, about the players and the history. I mean, oh, my God, I could never match the knowledge of that dude. And, of course, back then he was writing in that way. He he knew everything. He knew all the players in their background. So we did that. The XFL season ended, and we had pretty good time in XFL board. But then Vince McMahon and NBC split, and, and then the XFL folded. Vince McMahon had to fold up his tent which was a sad day. And especially for the fans on that board, it was almost like a death in the family. It really was because they were true fans. But of course the media at the time was not fans of that league and they really added to its demise. So I still had the XFLboard.com website, which became an archive with the articles and that were still there. 
and it was it, it was dated because it was technology from the 2000s and of course things had changed on their web in 2018 uh, very early in 2018 i got an email from mike mitchell telling me the xfl was coming back and i'm like who is this is this really mike mitchell from back then that young guy it was and of course so we got the website going and we dusted it off and Mike started writing art. He was the only one writing articles back then. He wrote all kinds of articles in 2018, 2019 about the XFL, what will make it work and, uh, you know, all of our luck and, uh, being hired. And we reported on that and we brought back the board. Of course, the board is not quite the same now because there's far more medias, mediums out there to discuss, uh, football and the XFL and Reddit and Twitter and, you know, Instagram and Facebook. I mean, it's, it's the whole landscape has changed, but the board is running and now, and it's still running right now. And, and it's got, it's got visitors. It's actually doing quite well, but it's an old school crowd talking about the XFL and very, very knowledgeable group in there. And I, any of the listeners, check it out, xflboard.com. Check out the discussion forum. See the kind of discussions that are going on and join up if you want to join in. Oh, you're always welcome. It is a welcoming place, I have to admit, as compared to some discussion mediums. I mean, so we're still going with the XFL and XFL board is still going. The site prides itself in good reporting, player friendly, player centric reporting. We've done, there's been a whole lot of articles not on our site about players and, and what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, in the last two years, I wrote a book called XFL 2020, Rise and Fall. It describes the whole story of the XFL 2020 from 2018 to its going down with the coronavirus and it being purchased by the new ownership group. That's where the story sort of ends. Uh, this, I also included a chapter in there about XFL 2001 because the two are connected. Vince McMahon in 2001 decided he wanted to be a football league owner. And I commend him for all that. I mean, maybe a little bit crazy, but hey, no one ever said Vince McMahon was a sane man. And when it failed, it was a, one of the things that, that he realized it was one of the things that he could not control. He could not, I mean, he was so successful at so many things, but his football league idea, it just never worked for him. So this was rattling around in his brain for all those years. And when Charlie Ebersol filmed the documentary, uh, the 30 for 30 documentary about the XFL, at the final scene, Charlie Ebersol had his father and Vince McMahon at dinner and the older Ebersol asked Vince McMahon, would you ever want to do it again? And Vince McMahon answered, yes, I do. So, and that began XFL 2020. That's where it started in, in the picture that we see. It's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating story. So if you want to hear more about that, purchase my book, XFL 2020 Rise and Fall. It's available on Amazon. It's people have uh, read it. They liked it. It's a thick book. As somebody pointed out, it's not a pamphlet. <laughs> it's 312 pages, Mike, with index. Um, yeah, it's a full book. So, yeah. For all disclosure, 
I went on Amazon last night and I purchased the hardcover. Oh well, I hope you I hope you enjoy it. I hope you I hope you don't think I'm a liar when you get it. Oh, I you know, listen. <laughs> insights, right, with connections and whatnot, and then everyone has different opinions and viewpoints because. You know, I might have seen stuff from the stands at MetLife in 2020 as a season ticket holder, but that doesn't mean I right. saw everything from every viewpoint. And it gets interesting because not everyone's wrong and not everyone's right. And it's always intriguing to open up the discussion, which is why I'm a firm believer of bringing the community together. And I know some of the guests I bring on, everybody loves. And in it's nothing wrong. Like They could never say anything untruthful, right, in the eyes of certain people. And then I could bring on other people like, I can't believe you would want to associate with so-and-so because they are never right. They just spew. But the reality is I think sometimes you got to bring the community together because that's what it takes for this to work beyond one season. I think it's going to take us all. We can't be alienating anybody. And maybe someone that doesn't seem to be right might have a couple things they're right about. So let's dig in there. And then the people that maybe – are just wearing always like rose-colored glasses and always talking about maybe this is not quite as rosy, but, you know, I'm just the guy in between like, hey, let's bring everyone together. Let's not try to go to our own corners and alienate anybody. And, you know, even with my slight affiliation with Newsroom, I've never written an article. I just, they allow me to place my show on there. But I've been a firm believer that I've brought, obviously, yourself on now, but I've had Greg Parks on multiple times from board. I've had Mike Mitchell on from News Hub, you know, who originally started out at the board. Mm-hmm. And I've had, like, James Larson from Newsroom and stuff. But I'm a firm believer, it doesn't matter if there are other podcast hosts or whatever, it comes together. So I am intrigued, and I'm ready to read that book when I have it, and maybe I'll be reading it more on my flights back and forth to New York because I have a bachelor party and a wedding eventually I got a taken care of this mm-hmm. year in the middle of the season. Right. So hopefully it comes in time just so I could do that during those uh, flights and stays at the airport. But so I'm looking forward to it. So I'm not going to give you any, any bad feedback. I'm really intrigued to see what you have in there. And uh, the fact that it's, there's a lot means you didn't cut corners on it. So that's what I'm really looking forward to is that you're going to have plenty of information. You're not going to leave out anything that I would have potentially thought was important. So I'm really looking forward to it. So, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't read it, but I think other people should give it a shot as well. I just want to let you know that I'm not just saying it. I mean, you could probably see who purchases what. And But yeah, I made the purchase late last night. I'm like, you know what? Before I, you know, I might as well make the purchase before he gets on here. And uh, but my money or my mouth is if I'm a supporter of the community. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the hard hardcover. I didn't, ch- I didn't go on the paperback. I, I definitely got the hardcover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I appreciate that. I appreciate your, uh, your ideas and uh, that you're trying to bring the community together. I think that's very powerful and I think it's important. So I commend you for that. Well, thank you. But before we go, why don't you share about your podcast XFL extra a little bit? I know that you've doing mm-hmm. that as well. And uh, I've listened to a few episodes here and there. I haven't been super loyal on it, but I'll be honest with you. It's, I find it intriguing. Uh, obviously I just don't have as much time on my full-time job, my own podcast and trying to juggle a wedding that's coming up. So but why don't you tell everyone about uh, your podcast and kind of, you know, obviously it's about the XFL, but what the layout is kind of the, the approach so they can check that out if they're interested. XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. I've been hosting it since, oh, jeepers, I don't know, when I'm, 
started hosting it. But I'll tell you what, I'd never hosted a podcast before I did that one. I've interviewed a lot of players, a lot of players. Players, and it's, there's, it's really fun with players. They like to tell their story. And uh, as you probably know, that sometimes you have to draw it out of them. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is interesting. But, I mean, to, to talk about their upbringing and their playing career and their families at times is actually quite revealing. And I also had a chance to speak to some XFL personalities, especially in 2020. Uh, Dean Blandino had a nice, really good interview with him. You know, some, some of the power people in the league have actually committed to talk to me. Which is surprising in some ways because it's hard to nail some of these folks down, even especially with this XFL. I mean, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get another interview with Dean Blandino, and I'm I'm really hitting a brick wall. So um, even though Dean said he would do it, it's a different XFL. So I'll just I'll just put that um, in my in my back pocket. I'm uh, interviewing Greg Parks is a good guest. I think you've had him. I recommend you get him back because he's always got something really smart to say. I really appreciate him. The XFL Extra, hopefully to have some players on again soon and some other some other guests such as uh, some XFL professionals, sort of like what you're doing. Sorry, some XFL experts, I should say, sort of like what you're doing and getting them to say their piece. You know, it's always fun, Mike, especially when you have somebody in your podcast, you can ask them, so what's going to happen this week? What What's your take on this week's games and put them on the spot? That's always fun. And it can be a laugh because, you know, no one really knows what's going to happen in this week's game. So <laughs> you can push someone to actually make a prediction, which I find is fun. It is. Uh, there's always some intriguing people. You know, some people are better interviews than others. Obviously, that's just what makes the world go round. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it's always interesting because you really never know what you're going to get just because somebody has done other shows, whatever. It just kind of depends on what the week has been for them as well. So, but it's I think that's what's great in the podcast world is that no two interviews are ever the same, and that's what makes it intriguing. So when you're tuning in, you have to see where it's going to go. You can't just listen to the first five minutes and think it was either great or it's going to be bad. You got to stick mm-hmm. stick it out because some things are slow. To warm up and then they get going and some things are hot out of the gate and they kind of die out. But that's that's the beauty of a podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that you're so submerged into this XFL world with your website, with XFL Board. I'm glad that you're doing the book that you just wrote. I'm glad you're doing the podcast because you're into it as much as anyone, like I had said. And that is very respectful. And, and I think it, anyone from within the community respects that. And if they're not, then I don't think they're being truthful with you. So. But you know, keep up the good work. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that we were able to have you come on, especially in a short notice to make this happen. So um, thank you for talking about the Orlando Guardians, Quentin Dormady, the XFL's approach with what's going on. And, you know, obviously we won't know how that really plays out probably here for probably a couple of weeks at least. I'm assuming they're going to take their time and do their due diligence at this point because, it, frankly, it's needed. But um, if you could... Why don't you go ahead and share your social media handles and stuff that way if anyone wants to follow along the rest of this journey and whatever else you might have on the horizon tied to the XFL. Well, you'll find me on xflboard.com, uh, my articles, uh, social media for Mark Nelson. The number four Mark Nelson is my Twitter. And the XFL book, you can find that at XFL book on Twitter. 
or on a website, HTTPS, XFL2020book.com. Well, perfect. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. I appreciate Mark's willingness to come onto the show in such a short notice. Mark has been covering the XFL since its first iteration. His recent piece on the Guardian's Dormity situation was a can't-miss opportunity to share with the Guardian's fan base to provide necessary information and discuss what is happening within the team. I understand the Guardians are in a tough situation, starting the season 0-2, but the season is still young. With eight regular season games remaining, there is plenty of football to be played, and things can turn around. So, let's keep our faith and eye on what truly matters supporting this team, and doing our part to ensure Orlando has professional football for years to come. If you have not already secured tickets for the upcoming home games against the Houston Roughnecks on March 11th, Seattle Sea Dragons on March 25th, DC Defenders on April 2nd, or the Arlington Renegades on April 8th, it is not too late to do so. Visit xfl.com backslash tickets to select your tickets. Who knows, we may even bump into one another at Camping World Stadium. I appreciate you tuning in to the third episode of Standing Guard. If you haven't already done so, find us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. If you have any recommendations for guests or segments, hit us up so we can format the show to better cover the team. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Do not forget to subscribe and rate Standing Guard on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Standing underscore Guard or Standing Guard Pod. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show message, the show via social media, or send an email to Podcast at gmail.com.